We're diving into three food beast stories today. It's a fun size catch up, if you will. Three? Yeah, it's a fun size. Woo, let's do it. it. All right. Here's what you can look forward to. NBA star Kawhi Leonard, along with everyone and the LA Clippers organization, is officially <laughs> banned from the Alfred's coffee chain. Stop dancing, Jeff. Why? The Clippers suck, dude. They're going to suck more now. I've been, I've been a fan for 20 years. Uh, the second... And, oh. and, and, and talk, uh. talk to my boy Eli on anywhere about i'm a legit fan he is a legit fan i'll give him that he's one of seven legit fans (laughs) in california whatever second story we have food be scoop on a new tie-dye frappuccino from starbucks we actually found out it was going to be on the menu before most employees did so i know that's a problem in a lot of the last story that we'll be talking about is the now viral la-based soft serve truck that allegedly charges influencers double for every cone of ice cream. We've talked with that owner. We've talked with the influencers. We're going to get to the bottom of this because, Jeff, we're influencers. I don't want to pay double for ice cream. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I get that, but I, li- I like this attitude. I like this attitude a lot. We're going to dive in. Let's dive in. Welcome to the catch-up. <laughs> Introducing your hosts. Eli Aruth. Editor-in-chief. And Jeffrey Kutnick, CEO, and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously. Of the craziest, most bestest, news-breaking, food-porn-peddling, viral website on the dot-coms. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy! There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. All right. And welcome to the catch-up. So let's talk about the CVT soft serve truck. Let's talk. And to talk about it more, we have Stephanie Brajo, who's the restaurant and bar editor for Time Out Los Angeles. You've seen her work published across Washington Post, NBC, USA Today, and more. She broke the news on CVT Soft Serve, a hyped LA soft serve truck charging influencers double. And instead of $4, it's now $8 for influencers. The picture of CVT's owner, Joe Nietzsche, and his sign, quote-unquote, influencers pay double, quickly went viral on Reddit. Time, Vice, dozens of additional publications. And for those of our audience that aren't familiar, CVT is a saucer of truck whose mission is to, quote, show a town of smoke and mirrors just how much frozen yogurt sucks. You can find them roaming the streets of LA or a dessert option at the hyped burger Never Say Die. Stephanie, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. What up, Steph? <laughs> so have you got? because I haven't had CVT soft serve, so you guys, I think, have. Yeah. Tell me about your personal experiences. I, Steph, I think you too, right? We had it at Burgers Never Say Die. Not together, but, yeah. but we, that would we had be it lovely. at a different time. Yeah, yeah. it would be great. Uh, it'd be great. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's really good. It's uh, so simple. Like, literally, the CVT stands for chocolate vanilla twirl, oh. which is just swirl. Uh, and those are the only flavors you can get. So it is, but like for only having three flavors and like one of them being a combination of two flavors, it is fucking fantastic. Like it is like some of the best soft serve in the entire city. And we have, LA is a city of like incredible soft serve. We've got like magpies. We've Mm. got some, we've got a bunch of vegan options. We've got, but like CVT is like old school. It is a family run operation and it is so delicious. I agree. I co-signed all of that. It was so good. All I was doing was dipping fries into this thing because it was so delicious. Like It's the pro move. Yeah. What's this dude's deal, though, Joe? <laughs> like, could we be the, the owner of this? Like, influencers paid... Well, what's the deal? Uh, so, uh, he's, all right, he's like a little bit of a curmudgeon, but like a really lovable <laughs> one, right? He, uh, so, he and his father sort of started this company, right? And they have two trucks that sort of circle LA. They do a lot of like catering, things like that. And, you know, Joe, like just about every other food vendor, gets hit up a lot for freebies from influencers, which, of course, is, you know, people who are on Instagram who, uh, you know, might want to, like, collaborate, I think is the term. <laughs> and uh, I'm not here to shit on influencers. Like, they have a they have a purpose. They have a place. They've, like, created this whole, like, 
economy for themselves. And that's, you know, that it's like a whole thing. But, you know, they'll hit up places to collaborate and they'll say, like, if you give me a free meal, I'll post a photo to my X amount of followers. It, like, gets super murky because you can actually uh, buy followers now. You can, like, buy likes. You can buy comments sure. and engagement. So, uh, so anyway, Joe gets hit up for those. He told me maybe, like, once a week at least. And then uh, he actually was approached a few days before he posted that viral sign to cater an event for 300 people for free, basically. For photos, fuck. they would take it. The tra- yeah. And at that point, he just lost it. He was like, fuck this. I'm. He, and he, so like a couple days later, he made a sign that says influencers pay double. And basically, it's he's not going to know if you're an influencer. But if you come up to him and approach him and say like, I have this many followers. Can I have a free ice cream? He's going to say, fuck you. It's $4. And now it's $8 for you. And that's sort of how it all started. That's so gross. Which part? The the asking of a free product and leading with your follower count. Like, it's just like the ultimate not cool shit. And I'm going to, like, full disclosure, Food Beast does get free shit. We get free shit. We get asked to come. We're a part of, of that culture. And But I know what's involved with receiving free stuff, so I don't ask for it a lot. And it's a mantra that we don't we don't take advantage of it because there's so much involved with it, especially with like a very small restaurant or small operation because if you like the thing especially a four i can't get over it's like a four dollar ice cream yeah like you got to be embarrassed to ask yeah it's and the other thing though here's where it gets like murky right like food beast is like a legitimate publication right Mm -hmm. it's there's like a little bit of a difference thank you he appreciates that yeah Yeah. you heard it here first (laughs) food beast legitimate publication not out of the mouths of eli and joe uh coming down to santa Ana was worth it for you guys just for that i'm sure for me coming down but uh no i think that like there's also a difference if you're invited right like if uh here's the thing some restaurants want to work with influencers and i think there are so many reasons to want to work like for instance like you might take fucking horrible photos of your food if you invite an influencer who takes great photos and they give you permission to use those photos to repost and whatever that suddenly great photos you can use as opposed to the ones that you take which maybe aren't great right so you can use great photos you theoretically it's like a larger audience reach right like you think about it as influencers are like targeted digital marketing right theoretically if it works if they're not buying followers whatever Mm -hmm. like they're hitting a new audience that you want to know about your product well and all the platforms that digital publishers use on-site facebook twitter instagram etc if we, if Eli and I were starting a publication now, 10 years after, you know how hard it is to build a domain to get actual website traffic to mm. read your stuff nowadays? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's freaking crazy hard. <laughs> and so Instagram is like the growth platform that people are using to essentially not only build their own personal brand, but also become a voice of whatever they want to become. Stephanie, I know you mentioned that like you're not here to shit on influencers. I am here to <laughs> shit on influencers. And I, I, but what I will say is I'm here to shit on a certain type yeah. of influencers. Okay. Because what I agree with you, Stephanie, is that, I mean, we, one, we work with influencers literally every day. They source tons of content for us across the US. We don't even have bureaus because we have lots of friends and colleagues in the influencer space that are able to source content for us. We work with influencers on our brand side, so we love the right influencers. But I think for me, it's just hard to imagine, no matter where I'm at, even if I'm at 500 followers on Instagram and I'm building an account, the time that it takes to DM a restaurant about a free $4 cone. Like, what is your time worth? That's my biggest question. Because even then, I think it's not its not worth it. Like, just, no. like, just pay pay $4 and also be like, hey, I'm, I'm taking a photo. Can you make it nice for me? Right. But, like, going through how many restaurants are you DMing for an equivalent of $10 or less? Like, how much is that worth it to you? Yo, if you're DMing for a $4 ice cream, <laughs> what are you doing for, like, a dinner at Mastro's? Like, like that's, that's what I want. Like, I don't get it. I'm also curious, like, what the message looked like and who the influencer was that asked for to c- cater my wedding. 
like for free, basically. Yeah. Like, like the, an ice cream truck? Like, come on. Well, the best thing about Joe is that even before he posted that sign, like you can see what those DMs look like because he posts them. Like he blurs out the names, which uh-huh. is like very nice of him in my opinion. But like he uh, he's always like posted those. He's like always been like this. This is not like a new thing. Like people are finding out about him because of this. But like if you scroll back through that account, you will see emails and DMs from people asking for free frozen yogurt, like for, you know, years back like two years back months back like he's been doing that forever i think he finally just snapped and i think that like uh and i think he did it like as kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing too right like he i don't think he he means to come off as an asshole but like he has had enough and i think that there are so many people who have also had enough and that is why the story exploded but both joe's personal brand with what i've seen of him on instagram and to go into it real quick like the post I was looking back at today was he screenshotted an article of an influencer having to get a job after Instagram, like essentially deleted her account. And like, he's just taking pride. Like this is a great day. Right. (laughs) Which I, I resonate with in the sense of there are people going to such extremes to become famous on Instagram that I get why, I get why you're a quote unquote curmudgeon toward those people, but I also think the ice cream brand outside of Joe himself, like if you read the website for CVT, it's a little in your face. It's a little aggressive. It's like basically, you know, uh, frozen yogurt can basically shove it, right? Because we're going to be bringing you a high quality product and we don't care if your probiotics are right. We're just giving you the the best product that we can that's the soul that it has though because i think you need it to really stand out especially in la like you need to stand out you can have a really great product and his product is is great and it's wholesome and it's there's only three options so like it's like the in and out like in and out has made its bones on like the consistency the quality the long lines uh it's religious affiliations over the past, right? Like right. the little things that make it work, the the cross palm trees, like they need you need something. And CVT Software is like, well, fucking Froyo sucks. And this is, we have an attitude about ourselves. He low key is branding himself as a soup Nazi, whether he wants to do it or not. <laughs> but you still go back to the soup Nazi. Like you want to win over that affection. I want no more now than to go to CVT soft serve and put up the most ballin' picture ever. <laughs> like that's what I want to do. And like, I'm assuming I, I, I hit him up, Joe, and he, he's having babies right now. Like two of them. <laughs> like literally like having twins. babies. Like not making that, like yeah. they are coming. Well, I'm now. sure his, his wife is doing a majority of the work. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, whoops. And uh, I just had my <laughs> baby just dropped. And <laughs> but I think it's funny. I did see the picture of like Instagram influencer. He put up this screenshot of the article. Instagram influencer breaks down over having to get a job after her account is deleted. And that particular influencer seems like a real kind of smug person. I like don't like her at all. She's like, the people who work nine to five, that is just not me. I am in LA not to be like that. <laughs> And so, like, so she kind of has it coming. But the idea of just making fun of an influencer for influencer's sake is, I think, a really bad road to go down. So, because, like, the idea of an Instagrammer not being a true profession is kind of weird. Because it's like, if you yell at Instagram for, if you get upset at Instagram for, like, going down for a few hours and you can't have business during those times. Like, that's basically, like, you having an ice cream shop and the power goes out and you can't serve anybody, right? Like, what... What's the difference? Well, I mean, again, it's basically, like I said, they're, influencers are digital marketing, right? So, like, it's it's one of those things where they, <laughs> there are definitely influencers who give influencers a bad name. Sure. Like, that, that's absurd. Like, yeah. I don't want to be like nine to fivers. That's not me. Like, no. There are, plenty <laughs> of, there are plenty of influencers who also work day jobs and are trying to build their brands. And I would say, like, my advice to restaurants who want to work with influencers is look for the ones who treat it like a job. Yeah. You know, like treat it like, you know, it's an actual business. Like if they approach you, they approach you with a business plan. They say, here's how many posts I'll do. You know, you can track my metrics here, here, and here. Because um, again, I don't think it's bad. Like, and, and I don't think it's right to shit on all influencers. Sure. But I th- there are a lot of shady influencers out there. And like, I also think that just showing up someplace and asking for something for free is just like shitty behavior. It's just, it's it's sleazy. Yeah. It's sleazy. 
well, the the one post that would you say you say like present a business plan? The one post that CVT kind of like it broke them and they put up. They kind of had a business plan proposed to them, like, hey, if you show up to this event with three hundred people, there's going to be roughly ten million worth of followers there. Like, not the weirdest trade off, right? Like, I understand going to a restaurant and asking for a four dollar ice cream, like. Get the fuck out of here. That's stupid. But there was a genuine proposal of, hey, there's 10 million worth of followers at this event. That's a decent trade-off. If you think about it, there's a lot of food events that the trade-off is restaurants serve food for free, sampling, right? For the hopes of the audience and the walkthrough traffic. Big brands pay a lot for this. Now, CVT is not a huge brand. It's not like they get a lot of win of like, snickers handing out snickers at an event but it wasn't not presented that's true if those followers are all actual followers absolutely i'm now i'm under the pretense that i'm talking about followers that are real influencers that have actually earned they actually do something and they have real follower accounts now as a business owner in this day and age if you want to interact at all on a digital platform you should at the very least understand how to spot a bullshit influencer like that's business 101 at this point with restaurateurship like you got a spot if they have a hundred thousand followers and every photo they post gets two likes and no one's commenting ignore them you don't even need to call them out just ignore them you could call them out for the better good i'd laugh at that but there's there's like basic groundwork you need to know now as a restaurateur and what's funny i think what what he's taking advantage of the owner of cvt is that like people aren't calling them out so now he, he, this is his mode, his brand right now is calling them out. I mean, isn't it kind of ironic the fact that the sign that went viral for influencers charged double, which I doubt there's now been an influencer that has gone to his truck and with this viral story and being like, hey, can I get free stuff at your truck? And I'm an influencer and he shows him the blue hashtag on Instagram and then he actually hits double on the register. Like, yeah. I don't think that <laughs> transaction has actually happened. I think it's con- it's connecting with so many people because of the flagrant attitudes that come out of influencers. And again, not all influencers. But this value that your self-worth is tied to your follower count and therefore you get to you get to swing whatever you want to swing like into a restaurant for free shit. Like yeah. that's shitty. Yeah. And there are two types of in my opinion, there are two types of influencers. There's an influencer that's working hard and stays pretty humble and professional about what they do, and they're okay with taking small but progressive steps to make their account better. You And you can see it over time. The content gets better. They start experimenting. They start understanding, like, what's my voice? Mm-hmm. And then they start building a following because of that authenticity. And then there's another influencer who's trying to get as cl- a blue check mark close to as close to a million followers as possible because that's just the life goal. And no matter what it takes to get there, they're just hedging the algorithm. They're trying to get free shit all day and they're trying to post eight times a day to hit that algorithm. And I think that that second set of influencers is what I have the most trouble with because a lot of them still put in a good amount of work. But that attitude, man, it's like that's what rubs me the wrong way because if – if you were if you met Joe face to face and he was about to literally give you a cone and if you show if you were going to show him your profile on the spot and be like will you give it to me for free like in real life I would respect you more but you're mm-hmm. not you're doing it through DMs you're 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 just basically like how can I get free shit to 50 different restaurants today and that's bullshit. Yeah. He, people do it in, in person too, though. Like they'll like go up and show him their phones and he, he's like, I feel bad for you. Like he says <laughs> that to people because to him it's, you know, he, it is like ironic that like now his follower rate has like blown up from like 3,000 to like 20,000 Instagram followers. In, in like last, a week. Like, week. Yeah. He posted it like, what, nine days ago or something? Like a week from last, this last Sunday. Like, so it's, uh, it's insane, but like he gets it. And he, if you go to those posts about it, like he'll say, like, 
you know, fame is fleeting, like fame is futile. Like he, he's just having fun with it. I think he, uh, you know, and I've seen people, I, you know, so we posted that story, which, and we didn't really break, break, like we saw it on Reddit and then, which is where we saw it. And then, um, I think the next day, like later that night, I wrote a story and it went live the next morning. I think Newsweek wrote about it, Board Panda wrote about it, and then we wrote about it. I think we were the first in like LA local. But like that story has like exploded to like Russia, Poland, like France, like everyone is writing about this. And um, so he's definitely gained a following, but I don't, he's definitely not an influencer by any means, but like I think that he, he is aware of like the ridiculousness of this situation. But what's crazy is he is an influencer now with <laughs> well, 20,000 <laughs> followers. And that's that's what's so ironic to me about this situation is because he put up a sign on Instagram shaming influencers, he's going to get more influencers buying his product and posting his photos because people are aware. I mean, we're talking about it right now. So part of this to me is like, this is almost ingenious marketing from the get-go how can i shit on influencers that ask for free stuff and never have to give something away for free and then on top of that still get all of the advantages of social marketing but it's what eventually happens to authentic people so like authentic people will eventually become the influencer right like at the end of the day in an ideal world in an ideal world like uh, of course there's a lot of authentic people um that that don't have the influence they should have. Right. Right. Like our parents are probably generally good people, but they like only have influence on us. And right. Uh, um, <laughs> please, please mom, stay off Instagram. <laughs> like don't do it. But like, he's going to genuinely have influence with those 20,000 people that now follow him. And it came from a real place. It came from someone who does something for a living. Right. That's not, I do Instagram for a living. No, he sells ice cream for a living and has an ethos about it. And that's where like the be- the influencers, Jeff, that you're talking about, I think like that have found their voice that are about the content. Like you can create Instagram content. Like if that, if you own that, then you wouldn't be asking for a $4 ice cream cone. You would understand the value to you as a content creator to go get a $4 ice cream cone that everyone's talking about. Like that's the balance. And like when... We actually had, I had like two or three DMs before this of people just asking questions of like, hey, can you like look at my Instagram account? What can I do different? I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to crack the 10,000 follower count. And I was like, hey man, just tune into the podcast because I knew we were going to talk about it today. I was like, you're already thinking about it wrong. If you have a number count that you're trying to hit, you're trying to hit Food Beast up for a shout out. Like, he's like, well, I know I want it to be a value exchange both ways. Where's the fucking value? What value are you giving me? I'm not trying to be an asshole here, but like, what do I get for shouting you out? You're already thinking about everything you want to do on Instagram so wrong. Your page, if you want to talk about food, post your food. Like, how are you going to look any different than all the other food accounts out there if you're just going to steal their photos? So like, we're already thinking about it wrong. And if just just go out there and try things and find stuff that you like and enjoy. And so like, in the case of CVT SoftServe, he found a voice, he's proud of his product, and he's going to gain the influence that he essentially deserves from this through the discussion of influencers. Do you think that the amount of influencers kind of relying on Instagram to basically become who they want to be is because we're now trained psychologically that the news feed is basically what we have to get the word out and whether that's the ig feed or facebook or twitter or whatever but i feel like something really psychologically damaging has has been happening absolutely and it's to and it's to the point where like again when this when this 19 year old influencer loses her instagram account and cries because she has to get a job like i i deeply believe that she's sad oh and for i sure. deeply believe that she's tortured because her dreams are lost but like what what is it of the society that those are the dreams that you have but here's here's the flip side of, of why i understand it is because getting paid to create is seemingly becoming harder than ever. And I think maybe that's because Eli and I see that on the food beast side. 
But just maintaining a brand or a presence or creating content that gets distributed enough to then put either ads against it or have a business is like, it's insane. And so Instagram is one of those only social tools where you can still have growth and people are still somewhat clicking a follow button, although I think that's happening in decline now. And so it's like the last leg of creativity. People feel like they can, I have a phone. I can take photos. I can take photos of myself. Yeah. I, ha- I have a future. Yeah. And, but like that's it. And they treat it, that follower count, as it. And I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I feel like it's a sign of the times. I can tell you how I feel about it, but I can tell you how Instagram feels about it. Instagram is looking into taking the follower count off. They know how detrimental and difficult and damaging it is to the psyche of like everyone right everyone so when you go like food beast can have clout i can walk into a place it's like oh you almost have a million followers on instagram like you could strut that but that's not what i personally find pride in i like do you did you find enjoyment from what we posted today did you learn about starbucks having a new frappuccino then i did my job or did you learn about this dope new soft serve you can get in la Great, I did my job. I don't care. Our post will reach more than a million people. It's not about the follower account. And Instagram's starting to know that, and they know that people spend less time on pages based on the amount of followers they see first. So if they go to Foodbeast, like, ah, oh, this feels good. There's a million followers here. This account must be somewhat legitimate. Then should you think of Foodbeast better than like the poor upstart kid who maybe have has 50 followers, but like might have the best ideas in the world? that isn't gonna get the same voice or love in the feed because of it. So Instagram's actively looking and trialing right now feeds that don't show follower count. That's wild. And again, though, I would say that like there is a difference between being uh, like a publication and having it versus like an individual. Sure. And like what you were saying about how there's like a sea of people who just post food photos. I think that that's especially like given the CBT thing, given like the fact that all of these influencers are hitting up restaurants. I think that that's like on a different level. And I think that that's more damaging. I think mm-hmm. that if you run a publication and you have an Instagram account, they're linked, right? Like you're posting stuff, you're pointing people to content that exists on a site already. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are, or you're making videos and you're posting them, but it's like a, a polished whatever product. If you're an individual and you're taking a photo of food and that's the end of it, like there are so many accounts like that now and i think that because people see that there have been some that are so successful they imagine that that's it's easy right like that girl like thinking i'm gonna live in la and do this for my life but i think that i think it is in decline like followers are in decline like what you were saying and it almost makes me wonder and it has to be damn a lot like uh psychologically damaging but i it makes me wonder like once followers are in decline and once followers really dip for these people and these accounts, like where is that, where is their identity going to come from? I don't know. I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be an Instagram Armageddon realistically, because there's so many people who have not only shifted what content that they're creating, right? If they're, if they're changing from, this is a personal Instagram to now a fashion Instagram. And now everything has to be about that fashion Instagram. And I can't talk about anything else but fashion because my followers want that. But in addition to that, like people are shifting their lives. Like they're coming to LA to be YouTubers or coming to LA to be Instagrammers. Like we know this story all the time. Like, let me tell you, I know, I know probably like the top 25 food Instagrammers either personally or because we've been introduced to them or worked with them. None of them that I know like have their own private island and are like living on a yacht or doing anything that people imagine when like I can become Instagram famous. The top people that I know have worked really hard for a really long time and still have to find their way to make it to increase. To have revenue for their own companies or for their own personalities. But people don't see that. And that's where Instagram trips everyone up, right? Like these, and we do the same thing. You guys get, like, we get invited to events. We, you know, live stream, we whatever. And people see that and they're like, oh, I want this. But that doesn't translate to real money. Like, you know, and it's gotten so bad where people think that they can 
like they see Instagram and think it's reality and they think that people are making money as influencers, right? But like people create fake ads. They say, you know, like, oh, hashtag sponsored, <laughs> yeah, whatever. And they're not yeah. real. Obviously there are real <laughs> sponsorships and partnerships, but that exists out there where people will say that they're like sponsored by Adidas and they're not. And like- Yo, that's I, the ultimate long con. I love it. Yo, shout out to whoever's doing that. That's amazing. But really Adidas, if you're listening. Uh, we no, all but, need kicks. Yeah, we all need kicks. But like, that's the thing is that like, it's it creates this like vacuum, right? And when people lie about follower counts or when they lie about their sponsorships or ads or whatever it just feeds into the system where more people think well this person did it like i'll start posting photos of food and then i'll get there too and so it is just like this really horrible cycle that's just eating itself and i don't know i don't even know if like getting rid of follower accounts is going to fix it i don't know i mean but that might cause the instagram armageddon like if anything is going to do it it's going to be getting rid of followers i think what's crazy too is the fact that the two hundred thousand dollar brand deal to influencers like they do exist i i, I don't i don't want to say like you can't make a living on instagram because people are doing it and they do make and, a lot and of they, money and, they, and they can make a lot of money i think it's just the amount of people that are making that types of cash is really limited and digital marketing is getting a lot smarter from three years ago when influencers were just hey this is the contemporary tactic we're looking to expand our reach but for restaurateurs listening out there, influencer marketing is the most expensive marketing you can do because typically you're trying to garner multiple influencers. So you're talking about multiple entities. You're not working with a publisher. You're working with potentially dozens of influencers, all who carry their own perceived value and all who may or may not deliver actually anything or people into your store or anything like that. Then you might see increased engagement. You might see better photos, Stephanie, what you had mentioned. And that those are valuable things. But also there are lots of campaigns, influencer specific, that get a ton of engagement, get a ton of posts. Did it accomplish people going into your restaurant? Did it accomplish people purchasing that product? Well, that's a big question mark. And and I, I just want to mention that is because we work with so many brands all the time that are just like, hey, we want influencers. And I have to ask, like, do you want to see a return on those influencers or you just want to see influencers? Because there's a there's a complete difference on how you have to treat that tactic if you're trying to actually move a bottom line. And restaurants could take advantage of influencers. I love what you're talking about. Like, yo, at, at the baseline, you could just get dope photos for your restaurant. Like dope photos. The inherent restaurateur doesn't know how to take good photos. It's like surprisingly in this day and age, they just don't. So like I think CVT Soft Serve would act if they actually like fucked with influencers a little harder, their feed would look better. They might have 50,000 followers earlier. Now, the other side is like maybe they're not real or maybe they're not. He doesn't feel as passionate about those followers. Like the people that follow him now are like invested in his brand right now. Yeah, that's totally true. But the other thing too is that like, again, he's making, he's, he has to keep two trucks running, right? Mm -hmm. On $4 a sale. Right. Like that is mm -hmm. to be giving, to make money off of like that small of an, like a product anyway is is already kind of like a crazy thing, right? Like that's why food trucks will have, you know, like a bunch of different items or like some higher ticket items and things like that. Like he has a $4 item and that's yeah. all he does. Like he probably can't afford, like, you know, he's, again, he's having twins right now. He already yeah. has like a kid, I think. Like he has a family and two trucks to drive around Los Angeles. Gas is not cheap. Mm -mm. And he drives two trucks around like the largest metropolitan city around here. Like it, he he can't give out free ice cream. He can't cater 300 people events. And honestly, he'll tell you he doesn't give a shit about it. Like he doesn't care about the number of followers he has. Like it's, yeah. and I believe him when he says that. Like when we posted that story, we got a lot of comments of, you know, we got mostly people supporting him, but then some people being like, this is a publicity stunt. This guy is just trying to get followers. Like this guy, whatever. But like I, after speaking to him, I truly believe that he does not care. And if like everybody unfollowed him, he'd be fine. Like his whole thing is that the product speaks for itself and he's managed to make it work for a couple of years. So I think he'll be fine keeping on. And man, that's so refreshing from my perspective, mainly because the amount, the amount of aesthetic baiting that's going on in restaurants in general. Damn, that's just, a nice term, bro. Fuck man. Like it's, <laughs> it's just hard to swallow, man. Like, okay. Museum of ice cream. Great. 
Do I need to go to the next 12 museums? Like, I, no. I, I'm so I, bored I, of those I, museums. I don't. Many museums. And again, I get why they can be... Look, if you're with a group of people and that's how you want to go to escape rooms or you want to go to these museums or you want to have a fun photo, like, there's no judgment there. That's fine. I'm just saying, but the amount of businesses that seem to be based on these gimmicks... And sometimes the product is okay and sometimes the product is good, but I kind of like just... I'm. I'm opening a truck. I'm from the East Coast. I'm a bit aggressive. And my shit's going to be dope. And if you like soft serve, you're going to like my stuff. And I feel like that's very rarely a story told in media nowadays. Because so much has to be glitz and glamour. Because of how much copycatting there is to be differentiating requires you to do outrageous things. And we cover a lot of them. But I also think that in this day and age, having a a truck with two flavors and a swirl is differentiating. You're actually doing something different by, by being less, by not doing 45 different toppings and 34 different vessels and, and being everything for the consumer. If more and more restaurants take this approach of just being the best or near to the best at what you do, I'm going to be a fan. Well, that's why they click up so well with Burgers Never Say Die, like where we first tried it. It's because Burgers Never Say Die just has a burger and fries. Yeah. And it's like the best burger and fry. I think one of the best in LA. And that, that's all they do. And they kind of follow a similar mantra. Like, it's not like a great thing to take a photo of. It's a smash patty. It sits very low. It's not built for any sort of Instagram photo. And it's just delicious. Mm-hmm. Like, delicious. And they don't fuck with influencers really like that either. Everyone waits in line. I was with the owner, and he was waiting in line at his own place. He's like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on here, bro? Cut the line. Yeah. Pull one card here. Um, I think that there's also, like, uh, a big aspect about, uh, especially in L.A., because there are so many, like, Instagram baits, right? I think there's a big question about the longevity of that, too, right? Like, there, I don't even, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but, like, there is a soft serve place in L.A. that became incredibly Instagram famous for posting, like, char- for charcoal ice cream, mm-hmm. charcoal cone. It was, like, the goth ice cream or whatever, and it was just... It blew up. There were lines forever. And now, and we, our office is downtown. Like we're, now I'm like giving away the location. But like we, our office is downtown. I pass by it all the time. And there's like nobody in line because that was what they, like what's the half-life of like an Instagram trap? You know, it can't be that long. Maybe six months, maybe a year. But if you're doing something that's authentic and that's what you're true to and that's what you're sticking to, people are always going to come to you for that if your product is good. You don't need neon or pink walls or goth ice cream you know (laughs) well and especially in the dessert category you see you see the flame out in desserts more more than restaurants because in my head when we talk about restaurants because we have a bunch of people asking us about how much they should invest how you know how long should a concept last you have set you have seven years as a restaurant if you're successful for a concept to let Theoretically, on averages. So, I mean, that's what you're shooting for. You're shooting for working really hard to potentially have seven years of reoccurring revenue before you either have to close or have to shift. In desserts, I think that's less. I think you have three or four years unless you can create a brand in desserts that, that's more timeless, that can last longer. But if you're building, I don't know, if you're building the next craziest crepe, whatever bullshit, you might have six months. Well, again, the price point is so low on that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it comes back to, like, why Joe can't probably afford to do a 300-person event. Like, he's selling something that's $4. You're selling, so, like, maybe if you're an ice cream place, like, the, the most expensive thing on your menu is, like, a crazy Sunday that's, like, $12. Sure. You're not selling lobster Thermidor. You know what I mean? Like, people aren't going to be coming in and paying you, like, 50 or $60. Like, if you're an ice cream place and you're trying to pay L.A. rent, or like LA gas prices as you drive around your truck. Or like, the commissary or gas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the commissary. T- that's a huge thing. And like he, these prices, like there is a bottom line. Like you have to make that bottom line. And if you're selling something that's novelty like dessert, you're going to have to sell a lot of it. Could we talk about novelty at uh, Starbucks? 
<laughs> what a lead in. Yo, we, yo, we could we could definitely talk about novelty at Starbucks. Okay. So Fubi's got the scoop on something called a tie-dye frappuccino. Of course it did. Right? Of course we did. Of course, of course someone would leak that information to the TMZ of Food News. They can't give us a good story. They give us the tie-dye frappuccino. Anyways, so we broke the news about something called a tie-dye frappuccino, which in all intents and purposes is basically a follow-up to their uh, unicorn, unicorn throw-up frappuccino from 2017. We broke the news so early, employees there did not know that it was going to be on the menu. And they were, they're already up in arms about this thing. So we took photos of it yesterday. I think we're having some of it brought into the room in yeah. a little bit. And the photos, everyone, like, they did not like it. They did not, it did not taste good. And if you remember some of the coverage of the unicorn frap, I believe Starbucks, through some employees, was saying that they would never do something like this again <laughs> because of how miserable it made baristas. Like to actually create it. Is it just- False happening again. Yeah, yeah. Starbucks it- don't give a fuck about you. Trust me, they don't. Is it labor intensive? Like why Why is it so hard on the baristas? So the this is what the actual f- fruity frappuccino will have. It's going to have a, a fruity cream base. There's vanilla whipped cream on top. There's stripes of red, blue, and yellow powder that kind of give it the tie-dye look. Um, I'm sure your poop is going to look fantastic. <laughs> Like, if you're looking for that nice swirl, like, both in color and silhouette. Way to connect the, way to connect the swirl to both stories, yeah. Eli. Oh, Fantastic. Yeah. You got it. I, got it. I might get it on the Kawhi one, too. We'll see. <laughs> um, but Twitter's already feeling some type of way. How do you guys feel off jump? Yeah, We haven't even tasted it yet. Well, what I remember from the unicorn frap is that our entire office didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Like, there was not... There was not one standalone person that was just like, mm. "Yo, you know what? I'm I'm kind of down." Here's here's what I think we don't have, and it's gonna is the deciding factor for Starbucks. What we don't have is the data that Starbucks uses to make these decisions. And I'm going to guess that the unicorn frappuccino was a smash for them. I think there there's probably tons of margin. I think it connected with a Gen Z audience that continues to be a huge revenue source for Starbucks, especially because of whenever we talk with emerging technology platforms about how kids can take their parents' credit cards, put them on their apps, and just like order Grubhub at will or order Starbucks at will, I think this is going to be an increasingly big amount of revenue for Starbucks. So to me, I don't like it, but I think I'm assuming that they're just looking at data and being like, yo, we crushed this, so let's just keep doing it. It didn't cost them much. Like, what does it cost them, really? Like, you have your employees, like, don't like you? Like, that's, I mean, yeah, that sucks. (laughs) But at the end of the day, they're using, like, flavors that are really cheap. And And it's it's like cream in a bag. It's just like a giant bag. Have you guys ever worked at Starbucks? No, have you? The summer before I started college, I worked at a Starbucks. Okay, tell me about it. Tell me. I mean, this was like, this is, this is, I'm 31 years old. Uh, This was in 2005. Yeah, I know. Did they just have black coffee back then? Yeah, that was it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. We're the same. (laughs) Yeah, we're totally totally older than you. (laughs) Um, But I mean, I mean, I don't know. Gen Z, like, do they care? Are they, they're probably like, fuck these guys. They're over 30. But uh, I will say that like, A, it was, I mean, it literally, maybe it's different now, but it, it literally, like, their cream base, like, it was like a bagged situation. It's, like, thick. It's, I just don't, I'm really scared to try whatever we're about to try. Like, I'm so horrified. Well, terrified. Here, here's what I will say. So, I've read Howard Schultz's book, and I really enjoyed the book. And one of the things that he talked about was when he became, uh, the board director and had a different CEO. It was a CEO from some sort of fast food chain that said, we have to do breakfast sandwiches, right? And Howard Schultz would be like, basically said, we can't do breakfast sandwiches. We can't put ovens in our establishment because the smell of when you walk into a Starbucks, I don't want that to be cheese. Mm. I want that to be coffee because we are a coffee brand. 
over time, and anyone who's stepped into a Starbucks store now knows that they can order tons of food from their ex- ever-expanding menu. And so I think that's just the cost of scalability on that scale is the, f- the founder and I think current board member, but not current CEO, because he's running for president, right? So the, like, he he's always wanted to maintain a quote-unquote quality to your business. And it's one thing, I think, when you have breakfast sandwiches in your establishment. You're like, okay, like, yeah, you're not going to be the third wave coffee shop because of that. But when you start doing shit like this, this to me is just shitting over a legacy of a, of a really iconic brand. And so I don't, I don't know. It might be translating well to sales. I'm just like, wow, I thought it was the unicorn did it and you were done. And then you could focus on whatever kind of somewhat mediocre new product that you want to bring. And the reason it's somewhat mediocre is because you have to, it has to be available at 25,000 locations like across the world. And I understand that. And I don't judge that. I drink Starbucks more than I drink third wave coffee because of how easy it is for me. It's next door. It's a mobile app. And I don't care about coffee. And I don't drink coffee that much. But once you start doing this stuff, that's where I'm like, man, does anything what you said in your book about the quality of the brand like matter at this juncture do you think he just knows that every generation has a different gateway into coffee and so like my gateway when i was younger before i started drinking like black coffee was Was the frap was the frappuccino like a caramel frappuccino how delicious it's basically a milkshake yeah right it is a milkshake and it just happens to have a little coffee in it. And then as I, that was my gateway when I'm like 15, 16. Otherwise, why would I step into a Starbucks? I'm too young. Like my parents didn't make me drink coffee growing up. So I didn't have that culture. But then over time, years passed, I take a few ingredients out of my frap until I realize, oh, I just like coffee. I like black coffee, right? And I think maybe they're just trying to reach this, the TikTok audience, the Instagram audience <laughs> yeah. that has seen colors online. Like literally they just see colors and they just fucking blink their eyes. That's all they can see. Like fucking unicorn frap, run my card, right? Like run my daddy's card, run my mom's card, whatever. Like I think that's just their gateway. And I wonder if it's just the cycle. Two years ago, it was unicorn. Now it's uh, whatever this shit is. Oh, Welcome Jesus. to the podcast, guys. For those Jesus. that are listening later. Oh, no. That looks bad. What are we, are we, oh, yeah, yeah. This shit looks <laughs> wild. So for those listening, the, explain it. Explain the what it tie-dye looks like. frappuccino just hit our table from producer Izzy. And okay, here's, here's what I will say. Um, when you're looking at this from a color perspective only, they achieve tie-dye. I, I yes. will I will say that this looks like a tie-dye drink, which, again, I don't know what it tastes like yet, but it looks pretty, I like the look of it. I'm not saying I'm a fan of it, but I think they are, what they're trying to do, I think they're doing it to the fullest degree. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's achieving a tie-dye frappuccino look for sure. Just try smelling it, you guys. Okay, let's do the Just sniff like, test. Smell test is a... Oh, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fuck. Smells like a Planet Kids. Or a... You guys remember those? You guys... Even... Was that like a Discovery Zone? Yeah, there's All a right, Discovery there Zone. It's Planet Kids. Fuck it. Some Orange County thing? It kind of it smells like... Starburst? Um, have you ever... Like confetti or cotton candy ice cream from those big tubs? Totally. Like yeah. a bubble gum flavor yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's oh, what I I'm get. I'm so scared. I'm, I have to say oh. I don't like the smell. Mm. Yeah, I'm not partial to it. Kind of smells like the carpet at a at a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Y'all with me on this on the carpet? Hold on. Uh. Let me get this sip going. So I'm lactose intolerant, but you know for the for the podcast, let's do this. All right, here we go. Oh, oh, oh. oh. All right, it tastes horrible. It's not as thick as I was expecting it to be, though. I will say that. It goes down real fast, <laughs> which is maybe for the best if you don't taste it. Yeah, it's not very thick. Mm-hmm. A lot more icy than I had imagined. 
I think it, I mean at this point this is just straight up candy. Mm-hmm. It's just straight it's straight up liquid candy. And I, I'm trying to think of like an alternative but even more so like when I'm drinking a Slurpee or an Icy I know that's heavy sugar. But in this one I'm just it's literally just like if I melted Starburst and like put yeah. it in a blender with ice like this is kind of what I expect mm-hmm. um, with milk. Right, with, with, with milk. milk or whatever else is in it. Yeah, it's basically um, like liquid milk. I mean, just, milk is liquid. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's like... We have three food writers on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's liquid milk. <laughs> Run that in your ad copy. <laughs> so this is supposed to taste like a t-shirt? Like a tie-dye t-shirt? <laughs> well, because that's the thing is it's so nebulous. When you call it... Like a is grateful that, Is tie-dye the official like a, name? Uh, Let me, I'm going to look up what tie-dye actually is. Tie dye. I think it's tie dye. Yeah, cream. Because if tie dye is the official name, like you have no barometer for what it should taste like. This is this is a brand new thing, right? Because you know a tie dye shirt, but have you ever eaten or drank anything of a tie dye flavor? So this is like basically establishing this as a flavor. They're boldly going. This is like the first of its first of its kind. Tie-dye is just an ancient term for how something looks. Like, it's the tie-dye, like, color on a garment. It was, like, the way that they created particular garments. Sure, which was super popular in, like, the 1970s and mm -hmm. is having its throwback moment now because every decade is having its Gen Z millennial moment from 1980s bands to 1970s wear. Like, it's (laughs) it's all going to come back. Like, if they had tied this to, like, a really dope rock group from the 70s like the that, grateful dead yeah like, like a grateful dead with the merch and everything mm-hmm. i'll be like i oh, fuck with it at least there's like some culture tied to it a little bit i think i'd be angrier about that i'd be like oh sellout <laughs> like i don't even like the dead but like i would be i'd be annoyed uh which is so stupid uh like the coloring is so scary this is like day glow like yellow Yours has still got some blue. Mine's just yellow now. It's Yo, just like can you, neon is yellow. It, can you turn off the lights? Maybe this shit glows <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> I mean, I do I do think just like any other frozen beverage. It almost does. It's kind of it's, oh, it's kind of highlighter now. <laughs> this is like also a collab with 3M. I'm like almost done with this topic. How do you guys feel? I've, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think we've, I'm just scared with whatever we're putting in our bodies right now. I think we put enough in our bodies. Mm. I feel we're good. Like we don't have to finish. So for the people that are looking for the tie dye frappuccino, it is fading away on July 14th. So it is a, a limited time offer. Did you say that, fading away? And that's what that's what it says in our Instagram caption. So talk to your boy Evan. I don't not like it. I just thought it was, I thought it was pretty uh, pretty accurate. That's cool. Okay, can we can we talk? Uh, I don't know how many NBA fans are listening. Steph, you you partake in basketball at all? Not really, but I'm team Lakers on this one. So oh, let's go. <laughs> but you don't even have to be a basketball fan to kind of know or hear of the crazy off season that the NBA has had. And one of the biggest free agents of almost of all time at this point is this gentleman named Kawhi Leonard, who doesn't talk a lot, doesn't do interviews. He famously just won a championship with the Toronto Raptors, and he gets to his pickings of any team in the NBA in this offseason. So he like left everyone in limbo for a week, and he ended up choosing the Los Angeles Clippers, Woo-woo. which... I'm very proud of Jeff because he's, again, one of very few fans that the Clippers have. Which basically means I've just watched losing for 20 years. So if you could, if everyone could just let me have this fucking moment, like, Jesus Christ. Like, yes, I get it, Snoop Dogg. Like, I get all the Lakers. Like, I get how you're all jealous right now. This is the single moment we've had in Clipper history that... We could potentially compete with the Lakers. And so, like, it's so crazy to me how much attention this Clipper stuff gets because, like, what? what? Like, we're just the redheaded stepchild in L.A. And I'm a fan saying that. Like, I know where I sit. I know that there's no one in my personal network that likes the Clippers with me that I will watch games by myself. <laughs> like, this is, like, this is just something I've dealt with for Literally now two decades, 
And so now that people are just getting up in arms is crazy to me. But there, this is actually food and beverage related. So it says it says so. Uh, I have to give context to what happened in Toronto for this to make sense. So in Toronto, the city of Toronto really rallied around Kawhi Leonard and wanted him to stay there. So they created this Kawhi Eats Free program around the city and a bunch of <laughs> restaurateurs created these stickers of Kawhi Leonard's face that basically says, Kawhi, you can eat here free for the rest of your life. Just please thank you for your contributions to the city. Please stay here forever. Obviously, Kawhi doesn't need their patronage. It's all good. He can afford a meal at any of these places, but it's a nice gesture from the city. But when he moved and he landed in Tinseltown, this coffee chain called Alfred's Coffee, known, they're kind of a bougie coffee shop. I haven't been there, but that's what I hear. They're like the, uh, you know, the like, but first coffee, sort of like Pinteresty Tumblr saying. Sure. They, they're the ones who kind of started that and have the neon and like. Mm. That's them. Are we, um, do they have a number of locations in Los Angeles? Yeah. They have like, yeah, they have a number. I think like, I don't know, five or six. Don't quote me on that. But they also have stuff around. The, I think they have some locations in Japan. They have, they have locations. They're a decent sized chain. They basically said they're going to refuse service to Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, which is another big NBA star, and anyone in the Clippers organization. Anyone affiliated? Yo, are you, who are you saying that shit? <laughs> One, I think this is brilliant marketing. I think it's someone who's capturing the moment because 80% of Los Angeles is Laker fans or they care more about the Lakers and Clippers because LA is a bunch of fair weather fans on sports <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but yeah. like, look, I mean, they're capturing their moment and there's going to be 12 people from the Clippers that are be like, we boycott this place. It's not going to matter to their business like at all, but everyone's talking about them. So I think it's pretty genius. Their Yelp got trashed. Did Alfred's it really? Oh, yeah. So like their Yelp, like oh, Clipper no. fan, everyone, like a lot of people went like Clipper fans were just like, yo, your coffee sucks anyway. Like Kawhi wouldn't come here. We'll be caught dead here. And so there was some immediate backlash. And I get that they were trying to make a joke. They're obviously not refusing service to anyone. I don't even. We were thinking at Food Beast to publish a list of everyone who worked at the Clippers organization <laughs> so that their employees know who not to cover and not to give coffee to. But uh, recently, um, they, they had to come out a couple days later saying that, quote unquote, it was our intention and what was deemed to be a lighthearted and competitive poke at the time to share a post that we now understand may have upset some sports fans. We apologize for offending anyone as that was never our intention. No one has been or ever will be turned away from Alfred. We love LA. Basketball emoji, heart emoji, coffee emoji, Alfred. You know what? I have no skin in this game. I'm going to say I support them from the get-go. It's nice they like put out an apology, but like I strive for that level of petty yeah. in my life. <laughs> like I that's like my goal in life is to be that petty. And you know what? Good for them. Good for you guys, Alfred. And I want to also say like it was lighthearted and it is so funny. Like even there's another local LA coffee chain called Go Get 'em Tiger that then turned around and said like, "Hey, if your name is Kawhi, like we'll give you coffee." You know, and like everybody started feeding into this and I think, you know, for people to take it that seriously and start trashing Yelp is like on Yelp is is so dumb. Yeah, I didn't know that apology, but I respect them a lot less. Yeah. Once they issued that <laughs> apo like, don't this apologize. Is, this right? is like the Clipper fan over here like, "Yo, if you ban Clippers, okay, fucking ban Clippers." But for someone in that organization at Alfred Coffee got sun. Someone was like a general manager being like, yo, Lakers, only Lakers. Lakers. Yo, PR team, put it out. We're not serving the Clippers. And then some fucking owner of the organization was like, what the fuck? Are Yelps getting trash? Oh, people are actually angry and are not going to visit our establishment? Dude, you're fired. <laughs> let us issue this apology. Because... Why, unless you're willing to like sit on those laurels, dude, that's trash. Yo, I, no Clippers, just kidding. Everyone's welcome. Yo, fuck you, Alfred Coffee. Because, <laughs> because like, I'm more, I'm more offended at the apology than I am about banning my favorite sports team of all time. Like, just, you gotta sit with it at that point. You either gotta sit it out, you gotta play it out, you gotta let Yelp take down your pages because you're having like an internet event. And no, you gotta, you gotta ride that shit out. For Run you to it. send no apology, like four or five days later, 
not having any of that. They were like so afraid of cancel culture, but they <laughs> did. Like, why did you toe the line? No, I feel like, like you got to really go like full heel at yeah, that point, you know, like yeah. really lean into it. You got to go but. full Trump on that shit. <laughs> like, I'm a huge Lakers fan. I'm a huge Kawhi Leonard fan. And so my thing is when Kawhi went to the Clippers, I was like, oh, this is just like really cool for the city. Like, this is cool because it's like we have a fun rivalry now. The Clippers are still going to suck. Like, they just like they've had stars in the past that just fumble it. And but when I saw Alfred's Coffee doing that, I was like, okay, I more felt bad for Kawhi. I was like, this dude is such a character that like he's probably at home like. He's like, man, people hate me already. No way. <laughs> this guy this guy fucking doesn't care. He doesn't care at all. I was just anyone. concerned for him. I was just concerned for him. <laughs> you were concerned But like, I love that Alfreds did that at first. Like, yo, this shit's so petty. It's so funny. Yeah, fu- like, no one's getting hurt. Come on. Like, these guys aren't going to Alfreds anyway. It's like, now they banned him from Blue Bottle fucking right next to the Clippers uh, practice place. They'd be like, we need our Blue Bottle. We need to apologize. Like... So I was like, when I saw that apology too, that's why I almost didn't want to read. I was like, bro, this apology is so corny. You guys just own it. Like, you know, fuck the Clippers Yo, and, and then have some other LA coffee shop, like support the Clippers yeah. and now have Build some a rivalry. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Have some fun. Like we don't have that a lot in LA because like the teams are kind of compartmentalized, but we are a town. LA is a town with a lot of sports teams, but it's never really been a rivalry between the Lakers no. and Clippers. Well, because no. we've sucked. Yeah. No question. There, there is no, there, there is a, there will be a rivalry this year. Yeah, it'll be decent. But Alfred Cox, <laughs> I would, just, I, I want to reiterate one thing. If you kept a headshot list at your cashier of the majority of players and like major. Bro, the level, accountants. Yeah. Like, everyone at the just, Clippers. Like if you had Lawrence Frank, the GM headshot in some, in some sort of like binder at the front. And the customer and the your employees were then trained to to look at customers, <laughs> reference this Clippers sheet of forty people, and then not serve them. I would fucking respect you so much. But this fake bullshit, nah. Like I'm actually kind of now. I know that they have an apology. I wouldn't even want to address it on this pod. But Yo, Alfred's Coffee. <laughs> if you take back that apology, we'll give you a front page spread on foodbeast.com. We will publish all the pictures of the Clippers organization that you need and your employees need to avoid and not serve. We appreciate the legal system here in California. You're allowed to refuse service. Run that shit. <laughs> That's contractually binding. We will run that on the foodbeast.com front page for 24 hours. Let us know. Let us know, guys. So, that yeah, that's the Alfred Coffee banning Kawhi story. Wild shit, huh? Wild. And uh, shout out to Farley Elliott at Eater who, like, made that story blow up. I, oh, think sh- I love like- Farley. Oh, what up, Farley? Oh, shit. Yeah, cool. Great job, Farley. Hey, can you run it on the front page of Eater when they actually follow through? And then credit Food Beast yeah. and this podcast. Specifically us. Spe- credit us. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, B- before, we, before yeah. we wrap up, Stephanie, are there a few places within Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. I always like to like the, uh, add this whenever we are have the pleasure of having a, a beat writer or an editor from L.A., but... Is there anything that you've experienced recently that our audience has to go try, whether they live near Los Angeles or maybe visiting soon? Oh, damn. All right. So like a couple days ago, I went to check out the Good Burger pop-up, which is launching today. Uh, This is the welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger, Burger, can I take your order? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess they're relaunching all that on Nickelodeon, or they they just did, basically. And... uh, to celebrate, so you, they did like a, there's like an event sort of company that did the Save by the Max pop-up right, restaurant, right? right? That's yeah. like Save by the Bell theme. But now they're doing one that's a whole Good Burger restaurant. So you go and you you basically, you get a ticket. A ticket includes a burger, whatever entree, and then sides. They even have cocktails there. They've got like orange soda, obviously, because Kel loves, loves orange soda. soda. And, orange uh, soda. <laughs> and uh, Alvin Kylan from Egg Slut, now he's, he came in to consult on the menu on the burgers and like, of Burger Show fame. I'm like, yeah. you know, he's, so he's doing the menu and uh, he'll be there cooking the whole first week. So if you go in the first week, you'll see him and uh, yeah, you'll get a little paper hat. That's a whole thing. Were the, good, were the burgers good? Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, we had to, we went in to shoot for Time Out LA, obviously. So like we were, by the time we actually ate the burger, it was like cold. cold. So I feel like <laughs> I can't really say, but like, it's fun. They've got like a, the send up of like the Nick Arcade. So like everything's on free play mode. You can like play N64. You can like hang out. 
That's Kel tight. will be there sometime. You know, it's fun. Do they have a Mondo burger like across they don't, the street? But how good would that have been? That would have been just sick. like a real missed opportunity. <laughs> there. Like we should just open a Mondo. We should get Bear to GDO to open the Mondo burger across the street. Be the dude with the frosted tips that just like screams and covers shit on Instagram. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, that's what's up. Shout out Good Burger. Okay. So where, that's where can people find more information about you, that story, and others? Oh man! All right. Well, you know, Time Out LA. So we're obviously the LA location of Time Out, which is like a fifty-year-old media company that started in London. Uh, and you can find us at timeout.com/slash/los-angeles. Or Go just get that. Google it. Beautiful. Yeah, Time Out's huge. I love Time Out. Google that. Google that. <laughs> also, I have to thank you for the person that reviewed us. In the in the in the Apple podcast last week after I was doing our giveaway, guys, if you guys are reviewing us, leave your Instagram handle so right. I can so I can send you those goodies that I mentioned last week. Um, but again, just a quick reminder: any t- any type of review on any platform really helps this podcast out. Uh, so please let us know what you like, what needs improvement, and who you want to see on the show. And leave your IG handle so we can so we can thank you. Yeah, there were a few different reviews. We just didn't. Uh, some of them aren't showing up, and some of you guys are leaving them on platforms we don't know about. So if you do leave them with your Instagram handle, just DM us on the Catch Up Instagram account or Food Beast Instagram account. We'll get back to you. Sup? We're out. We're out. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>